Well, hey, Merry Christmas. My name is Timothy Atik. I'm one of the teaching pastors here at Watermark. If this is your first time with us, let me just say welcome. We are so glad that you made it. Uh, as you prepare to open gifts, either tonight or tomorrow, I want to make sure that you remember two rules. Here's the first rule. Uh, presents aren't always what they appear to be. The, the second rule that I want you to remember is that your response matters. Like when you open a gift, someone is going to care about how you respond when you open that gift. So let me just explain both rules. The first one, that presents aren't always what they appear to be. I'll explain it this way. I want all the kids to look up here. I want your help right now. Like if you have to choose one of these gifts to open, which one are you going to choose? The, the big one, right? You always go with the big one. The big one is always going to be the best one. That's just the way it works. So I would take the big one. I wonder what it is. Hopefully an Xbox, PS5. I'd settle for a Hot Wheels set like any of those would work. But it's no good when it's a pair of socks, right? Like no one wants that. If you're the parent who's the super practical parent and you're like, well, he needs socks. Well, then just buy the socks, but don't give it as a gift. That's not a gift. The big one isn't always the best one. Sometimes the smallest gift has the greatest value. So, for example, this past week, I know someone who for Christmas received this hat. You're like, okay, it's fine. It's a nice hat. The, the great thing about this hat is that this person was informed that they could wear this hat on a free trip to Florida. Okay, that's a great Christmas present. Presents aren't always what they appear to be. The second rule is that your response matters. So I remember when my kids were very young, one of them was about three years old, and we were at my in-laws, and so they, they had a ton of presents to open. And so one of my kids, his rhythm was this. He, he would unwrap a present, he would look at it, he would set it to the side, he would not say thank you. He would take the next gift, he would unwrap it, look at it, set it to the side, not say thank you. When the gifts were all gone, he looked at us and said, what else you got for me? And, uh, and I was like, oh, that's cute. And we probably need to work on that. Like the response matters. I saw a video of myself not too long ago from when I was in sixth grade. And it was Christmas Day. And I had opened something that I really wanted. And, and so in response, here's what I did. I did the running man. Y'all remember this? New kids on the block, anybody? That's what I did. And I'm sure that that pleased my parents and also concerned them a little. <laughs> but I just want you to remember, presents always aren't, aren't always what they appear to be and your response matters. I tell you that because those two rules have everything to do with Jesus. No one has made the point more clear than Jesus that presents always aren't what they appear to be. See, Jesus Christ was a gift from God to humanity. That's why the most famous verse in the Bible says what? It says, for God so loved the world that he did what? He, he gave. He gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And yet at Christmas, we celebrate Jesus, who wasn't his God, who wasn't is the Savior of the world, who wasn't is the King of kings and Lord of lords. We celebrate him showing up to a 
teenage girl in a podunk town that didn't have room for him. He was a present that didn't appear to be who he actually was. And then I want to make sure that you know that this Christmas, your response to Jesus matters. Like, there is a right way to respond to him. What's going to keep any of us from having that response of looking at the gift of Jesus and then looking back at God saying, what else you got for me? We're all capable of that. It doesn't matter how long you've known Jesus. It's possible for us to get so distracted by everything going on this Christmas season that the gift of Jesus just isn't that meaningful to us anymore. So here's what I want to do. I want to speak to three different groups of people in the room today. And I just want to encourage you to have the right response to Jesus. I'm going to do it by looking at my favorite Christmas passage in the Bible. It's the first chapter of the Gospel of John. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn with me to the Gospel of John, the first chapter. John is a great guy to learn from. John was a real historical person writing to a real historical people. And John's life was transformed by Jesus. John was a fisherman, and he left fishing to follow Jesus full time. And he was in Jesus' inner circle. Like, he was so tight with Jesus that Jesus gave John and his brother nicknames. He called them the Sons of Thunder. Like, what a great nickname. No one's ever called me that. But John was... John was the guy that we see at the Last Supper reclining on Jesus' chest. John was the guy that Jesus, when he was being crucified, looked down and entrusted his mom to John. John was the first disciple to find the empty tomb and thus believe in the resurrection. John played a really important role in the establishment of the church. John wrote his gospel to ensure that people had the right response to Jesus. That's why we're looking at it. The first group of people that I want to speak to this morning are the people that don't have that much familiarity with Jesus. Like you don't have a real relationship with Jesus. The reason you're here right now is you're just trying to be a team player with the family. And I appreciate that. And I'm so glad that you made it today. But if that's you and you hear me pair the word relationship with Jesus, for you that feels like a disconnect because if there's any word that pairs with Jesus, it's religion. Like, as far as you know, Jesus is the poster child for a worldwide religion that a lot of people subscribe to, named Christianity. If that's you, then your right response to the gift of Jesus this Christmas is to investigate Jesus. I want to encourage you to investigate Jesus. See, Christmas is a season of investigation. I mean, how many of you over the last month have been reading reviews online and looking at specifications and comparison charts to find the right gift. You're investigating. Any of you kids done any investigating under the tree? You go, when mom and dad's not around, you kind of pick it up and shake it, maybe squeeze it to just kind of feel, see if, how heavy is it? You're, you're investigating. Christmas is a season of investigation. I want to encourage you to investigate the gift of Jesus Christ. Because I wouldn't be surprised if when you do, you know what you're going to find? You're going to find that Jesus is more than you knew him to be. 
Like, I just want to show you what John says about Jesus. Let me ask you, have you, ever, have you ever thought that Jesus might be the best way to know and understand God? John says this in verse 1. He says, in the beginning was the Word. John refers to Jesus as the Word. Well, what is a word? A word is a thought expressed. A word makes something unheard heard. A word makes something invisible visible. That's what Jesus Christ has done in regards to God. Jesus is God's greatest communication to us about himself. We can get to know God by getting to know Jesus Christ. Have you ever thought about Jesus Christ as the best way to know and understand God? If you don't know Jesus, it is a good thing for you to be asking questions like, who is he? What's he like? Why do billions of people identify themselves with him? Jesus is your best way of understanding God. But have you ever come to the realization that Jesus is in fact God? John says this, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, according to John, Jesus' story didn't start in the uterus of a teenage girl in a podunk town called Bethlehem. No, according to John, the eternal word that would take on flesh in the person of Jesus Christ existed prior to creation. And the eternal word that we now know as Jesus was and is God. Have you ever thought about Jesus as being the creator of all things? Look at what John says in verse 2 and 3. He says, he was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Isn't that interesting? Nothing was made apart from the eternal word that we now know is Jesus. The eternal word was the agent of creation. Have you ever thought to give Jesus credit for everything that has been made, including yourself? He's the creator of all things. Have you ever thought about Jesus as the one who is actually sustaining your life? John says this in verse four. He says, in him was life, and the life was the light of men. So we would all agree that without the sun, it's impossible for physical life on this earth. Like sunlight is that important. But what John is saying is before the sun even existed, the eternal word did. And the eternal word that we now know is Jesus, in him was life which means it is impossible to experience sustained life physically or spiritually in this world apart from Jesus Christ. So some of y'all might be sitting there saying, what has God ever done for me? Well, I just want to invite everyone to take a breath. Like everyone inhale, exhale, there's your answer. Every single breath is a rebuttal to the thought that Jesus is irrelevant to your life. Jesus is God, 
He's the creator. He's the sustainer of all things, including you. Would you investigate him this Christmas? Because if you don't, here's my fear. Our tendency when we think about Jesus is to only think about his 33 years here on earth. But if we only think about his 33 years on earth, what we're going to do is we're going to crop Jesus's life. Like we're all about to take a bunch of pictures and I would imagine that at some point you're going to use the crop feature on your phone. Why do we crop things out of our pictures? We crop the things that are unimportant or distracting. But if we're not careful, we're going to crop out the things that are essential to Jesus's identity and activity. And if you find yourself in a place where you feel like Jesus is very unimpressive and irrelevant, let me tell you what's probably happened. What has probably happened is that you have cropped so much away from Jesus's true identity and activity that you're no longer even dealing with the real Jesus. You're dealing with a Jesus that you have fabricated in your mind. And so let me just say this. We live in a world right now that says that we get to decide what God is like, but we don't get to decide what God is like. We only get to decide what we do with what God is like. And so my encouragement to you, if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, your right response is to investigate Jesus this Christmas. I would encourage you to take the book, John, that we're looking at right now. It's 21 chapters. Over the next 21 days, why don't you make a decision to read one chapter a day to investigate Jesus? And then come join us here on a Sunday morning. The second group about I want to pe- the, the second group of people I want to speak to this morning is a very specific group of people. You're here today not because you're trying to be a team player. You are here because you sense God needed you to be here. Like you're here because a miracle is happening in your life. And you had an appointment with God here at Watermark Community Church today. And you're realizing for the first time in your life that Jesus is the answer that you've been looking for. In the midst of all of your hurt, in the midst of all of your pain, in the midst of all of your trials, whatever is going on in your life, you have clarity that Jesus is the answer that you've been looking for. If that is you, then let me just encourage you, your right response to the gift of Jesus this Christmas is to receive Jesus. Look back at John chapter 1. It says this in verse 9. It says, the true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. That's why there's a Christmas passage. He was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. Now watch this, verse 11. He, he came to his own. The, the language here is very relational. He came to his own In his own people, you think the people that would be most likely to receive him, his own people did not receive him. See, Jesus moved in close enough. When he showed up in a manger, God was moving in so close that you have to do something with him. You can't ignore him. He comes so close that you either receive him or reject him. His own did not receive him. But watch verse 12. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. See, if you feel like God has brought you here for a very important moment in your life, I believe he's, got, he's brought you here so that you can know what is on the table. If you receive Jesus, then here's what's on the table. A place in the family of God for all of eternity. This is a crazy thought. Some of you walked in today enemies of God. And that sounds harsh. That's just reality. We all, apart from Jesus, if we live in our sin the Bible would classify us as enemies of God. You walked in here enemies of God, but you're going to leave here children of God. How can that great of a transformation happen in such a short period of time? Simply by you receiving Jesus. To as many as received him, he gave them the right to become children of God. What does it mean to receive Jesus? Well, that word in the Greek, it carries the idea of welcoming intimate connection with Jesus. Welcoming intimate connection with Jesus. See, I told you earlier that your response matters. It does. Your response matters. Here's a good rule to live by. The, the nature of the gift should determine the nature of your response. A lot of us look at Jesus and we treat him like he's a ticket. So he's a ticket that is used for entrance into heaven. But if you think about a ticket, a ticket is literally only good for one second. It is only valuable and it's only needed for that one moment when your barcode gets scanned. That ticket is worthless before that second and it's worthless after that second. But Jesus isn't a ticket. Jesus is God. He's the Savior of the world. He's the King of kings and Lord of lords, and he's friend. That's the nature of the gift, and that should determine the nature of our response. So what does it look like to receive the one who is God, who is Savior, who is King, who is Rescuer, who is Friend? It is to welcome intimate connection with him now and for all of eternity, and it begins with a prayer where you simply acknowledge before God that you are a sinner, that you... You have lived life apart from Jesus, and now you want to turn from life without Jesus to life with Jesus. And you recognize that you need him to be your savior, and you want him to be your king. So if, if that's you today, if you're realizing for the first time that Jesus is your answer, then your right response to him this Christmas is to receive him. The last group of people that I want to speak to this morning is to those of you who consider themselves followers of Jesus Christ. If that's you, then your right response to Jesus today is to behold Jesus. Behold is the theme of Christmas here at Watermark. I want to encourage you to behold Jesus. Where do I get that from? Look with me at verse 14. Verse 14 is not only the most important verse in chapter one. It's the most important verse in the entire book of John. The rest of the book of John exists to unpack verse 14. 
It says, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we have seen. Other translations say, we have beheld his glory. Glory is of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's just go phrase by phrase real quick. This verse is truly amazing. It is packed full of Christmas. It says, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Jesus showing up in a manger. This is Christmas, the word becoming flesh. He dwelt among us. And John says, we have seen his glory. What does it mean to see the glory of Jesus? Well, it's believed that when John was writing these words, most likely he had a passage from the book of Exodus in the Old Testament in his mind. In Exodus 33, Moses says these words to God. He says, please show me your glory. And watch God's response. What does God say to him? He says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. What's the glory of God? The the glory of God is the supreme and infinite goodness of God. So to behold the glory of God is to be captivated by the infinite supreme goodness of God. So my question to you, if you consider yourself a follower of Jesus Christ, is this Christmas season, have you been captivated by the goodness of God in a way that has stirred your heart with worship and gratitude? Or maybe I'll just zoom out for a minute. When was the last time that your heart was truly captivated by the goodness of God in a way that it resulted in worship and gratitude? It's possible that if it's been a while, it's just because your life is, is too full and distracting from you to fully behold Jesus. Let me illustrate it this way. Uh, this, this wall, this graphic that you're seeing, we've been showing it to you for the last month. This has been the Watermark Christmas graphic. It has been packaged on everything. I don't know if you know this, but this graphic that you have seen over the last month has been displaying Jesus every single time that you've seen it. But there's too many layers of graphics that prohibits you from truly seeing Jesus. So if we were to remove the boxes and icons layer, then you would see that um, behind the boxes and icons layer is actually a a Rembrandt etching of the angel appearing uh, to the shepherds. But then you see that behind the etching of the angel appearing to the shepherd, there's actually another etching behind that that was also done by Rembrandt. If you remove the angels, you know what you see. You see the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. This has been here all along. And yet there's just been too many layers prohibiting you from seeing it. I wonder if that is what your life has been like. Like your life has been filled with so many layers of finding the right gifts and wrapping things up with work and Christmas programs at school. You just haven't had time to to see Jesus. If that's you, my encouragement is to get where you can see him. Now, when you looked at that picture, you, you might have thought, that feels more like Easter than Christmas. Because Easter is where we celebrate the death and resurrection of Jesus. 
Christmas is for celebrating the birth of Jesus. But here's the thing. The birth of Jesus is significant because of the death and resurrection of Jesus. Anytime we remember the birth of Jesus, we must look through it to the death and resurrection of Jesus. I love that John was the one who told us that the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. That's Christmas. But then John, the same John, wrote these words in a different book in Revelation when he got a vision of the glorified Christ. What did he say? He said, he is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. And the name by which he is called is what? The Word of God. The Word of God became flesh. The Word of God is clothed in a robe dipped in blood. Where did that blood come from? It was his own blood shed on the cross. And then on the third day, he rose from the dead. See, Christmas is when we remember why Jesus came. Jesus was born to live perfectly, to die sacrificially, and to rise victoriously so that you and so that I could become children of God. That's why he came. And John told us in verse 14 that he came full of grace and truth. If you know Jesus through faith, then you experience the grace and truth of Jesus. You experience the truth of Jesus in the sense that Jesus has shown us the true way to have a right relationship with God. If you know Jesus, though, you get to experience the grace of Jesus, complete freedom from your greatest moments of failure. Complete freedom from your deepest shame. You're constantly pursued with a perfect love even as you wander in your imperfections. And you and I have the privilege of living near to God as loved, accepted, embraced children now and for all of eternity. We did nothing. He did everything. We deserved nothing and yet he has given us everything. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, the right response to Jesus this Christmas is to behold Jesus. So let me just encourage you, sometime in the next 24 hours, find 15 minutes to step away from family and food and TV and just behold Jesus until your heart is stirred with worship and gratitude. And then come back together with your family and do the same. How will you respond this Christmas to the one who wasn't is God, who wasn't is the Savior of the world, the one who wasn't is the King of kings and Lord of lords, and yet showed up to a teenage girl in a podog town that had no room for him? If you don't know him, investigate him. Receive him. And if you do know him, behold him. Let's pray together. If you want to begin a relationship with Jesus right now, if you want to say yes to Jesus for the first time in your life, then I just invite you in this moment to to pray these words. Just say, Lord Jesus, would you come into my life today? Thank you, Jesus, that you died for me.
Thank you, Jesus, that you rose for me. Would you come into my life? Would you forgive me of my sins? And would you begin to lead me in a new life with you as my Savior and as my King? Lord Jesus, we love you. We celebrate you as the eternal word that took on flesh. You lived perfectly, you died sacrificially, and you rose victoriously, all so that we who were enemies could become children. We thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.